It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Book 2, Chapter 5 of the Brothers Karamazov. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Mikhailovich Dostoevsky Translated by Constance Garnett Book 2, Chapter 5 So be it, so be it. The elder's absence from his cell had lasted for about twenty-five minutes. It was more than half-past twelve, but Dmitri, on whose account they had all met there, had still not appeared. But he seemed almost to be forgotten, and when the elder entered the cell again, he found his guests engaged in eager conversation. Ivan and the two monks took the leading share in it. Musov, too, was trying to take a part, and apparently very eagerly in the conversation. But he was unsuccessful in this also. He was evidently in the background, and his remarks were treated with neglect, which increased his irritability. He had had intellectual encounters with Ivan before, and he could not endure a certain carelessness Ivan showed him. Hitherto at last I have stood in the front ranks of all that is progressive in Europe, and here the new generation positively ignores us, he thought. Fyodor Pavlovitch, who had given his word to sit still and be quiet, had actually been quiet for some time, but he watched his neighbor Musov with an ironical little smile, obviously enjoying his discomfiture. He had been waiting for some time to pay off old scores, and now he could not let the opportunity slip. Bending over his shoulder, he began teasing him again in a whisper. "'Why didn't you go away just now after the courteously kissing?' Why did you consent to remain in such unseemly company? It was because you felt insulted and aggrieved, and you remained to vindicate yourself by showing off your intelligence. Now you won't go till you've displayed your intellect to them. You again. On the contrary, I'm just going. <laughs> You'll be the last, the last of all to go. Fyodor Pavlovich delivered him another thrust, almost at the moment of Father Zosima's return. The discussion died down for a moment, but the elder, seating himself in his former place, looked at them all as though cordially inviting them to go on. Alyosha, who knew every expression of his face, saw that he was fearfully exhausted and making a great effort. Of late he had been liable to fainting fits from exhaustion. His face had the pallor that was common before such attacks, and his lips were white. But he evidently did not want to break up the party. 
He seemed to have some special object of his own in keeping them. What object? Alyosha watched him intently. We are discussing this gentleman's most interesting article, said Father Yosef, the librarian, addressing the elder and indicating Ivan. He brings forward much that is new, but I think the argument cuts both ways. It is an article written in answer to a book by an ecclesiastical authority on the question of ecclesiastical court and the scope of its jurisdiction. I'm sorry I have not read your article, but I've heard of it, said the elder, looking keenly and intently at Ivan. He takes up a most interesting position, continued the father librarian. As far as church jurisdiction is concerned, he is apparently quite opposed to the separation of church and state. That's interesting. But in what sense? Father Zosima asked Ivan. The latter, at last, answered him, not condescendingly, as Alyosha had feared, but with modesty and reserve, with evident good will, and apparently without the slightest arrière-pensée. I start from the position that this confusion of elements, that is, of the essential principles of church and state, will of course go on forever, in spite of the fact that it is impossible for them to mingle, and that the confusion of these elements cannot lead to any consistent or even normal results, for there is falsity at the very foundation of it. Compromise between the church and state in such questions as, for instance, jurisdiction, is to my thinking impossible in any real sense. My clerical opponent maintains that the church holds a precise and defined position in the state. I maintain, on the contrary, that the church ought to include the whole state, and not simply to occupy a corner in it. And if this is, for some reason, impossible at present, then it ought, in reality, to be set up as the direct and chief aim of the future development of Christian society. Perfectly true, Father Paisi, the silent and learned monk assented with fervor and decision. Oh, the purest ultramontism, cried Musov, impatiently crossing and recrossing his legs. Oh, well, we have no mountains, cried Father Yosef, and turning to the elder he continued. Observe the answer he makes to the following fundamental and essential positions of his opponent, who is, you must note, an ecclesiastic. First, that no social organization can or ought to arrogate to itself power to dispose of the civic and political rights of its members. Secondly, that criminal and civil jurisdiction ought not to belong to the Church, and is inconsistent with its nature, both as a divine institution and as an organization of men for religious objects. And finally, in the third place, the Church is a kingdom not of this world. <laughs> a most unworthy play upon words for an ecclesiastic. Father Paisi could not refrain from breaking in again. I have read the book which you have answered, he added, addressing Ivan, and was astounded at the words, The church is a kingdom not of this world. If it is not of this world, then it cannot exist on earth at all. In the gospel, the words, not of this world, are not used in that sense. To play with such words is indefensible. Our Lord Jesus Christ came to set up the church upon earth, the kingdom of heaven, of course is not of this world, but in heaven, but it has only entered through the church, which has been founded and established upon earth. And so a frivolous play upon words in such a connection is unpardonable and improper. The church is, in truth, a kingdom, and ordained to rule, 
and in the end must undoubtedly become the kingdom ruling over all the earth. For that we have the divine promise. He ceased speaking suddenly, as though checking himself. After listening attentively and respectfully, Ivan went on, addressing the elder with perfect composure, and as before with ready cordiality. The whole point of my article lies in the fact that during the first three centuries Christianity only existed on earth, in the church, and was nothing but the church. When the pagan Roman Empire desired to become Christian, it inevitably happened that, by becoming Christian, it included the church, but remained a pagan state in very many of its departments. In reality this was bound to happen, but Rome as a state retained too much of the pagan civilization and culture as, for example, in the very objects and fundamental principles of the state. The Christian Church, entering into the state, could of course surrender no part of its fundamental principles, the rock on which it stands, and could pursue no other aims than those which have been ordained and revealed by God himself, and among them that of drawing the whole world, and therefore the ancient pagan state itself, into the Church. In that way, that is with a view to the future, it is not the Church that should seek a definite position in the State, like every social organization, or as an organization of men for religious purposes, as my opponent calls the Church. But, on the contrary, every earthly State should be in the end completely transformed into the Church, and should become nothing else but a Church, rejecting every purpose incongruous with the aims of the Church. All this will not degrade it in any way, or take from its honor and glory as a great state, nor from the glory of its rulers, but only turns it from a false, still pagan and mistaken path to the true and rightful path, which alone leads to the eternal goal. This is why the author of the book, On the Foundations of Church Jurisdiction, would have judged correctly, if in seeking and laying down those foundations, he had looked upon them as a temporary compromise, inevitable in our sinful and imperfect days. But as soon as the author ventures to declare that the foundations, which he predicates now, part of which Father Yosef just enumerated, are the permanent, essential, and eternal foundations, he is going directly against the Church, and its sacred and eternal vocation. That is the gist of my article. That is, in brief, Father Piacy began again, laying stress on each word, According to certain theories only too clearly formulated in the nineteenth century, the Church ought to be transformed into the State, as though this would be an advance from a lower to a higher form, so as to disappear into it, making way for science, for the spirit of the age, and civilization. And if the Church resists and is unwilling, some corner will be set apart for her in the State, and even that under control. And this will be so everywhere in all modern European countries. But Russian hopes and conceptions demand not the Church should pass as from a lower into a higher type into the State, but on the contrary, that the State should end by being worthy to become only the Church and nothing else. So be it, so be it. Well, I confess you've reassured me somewhat, Musov said, smiling, again crossing his legs. So far as I understand, then, the realization of such an ideal is infinitely remote. At the second coming of Christ, that's as you please. It's a beautiful utopian dream of the abolition of war, diplomacy, banks, and so on. Something after the fashion of socialism, indeed. 
but I imagined that it was all meant seriously, and that the church might be now going to try criminals and sentence them to beating, prison, and even death. But if there were none but the ecclesiastical court, the church would not even now sentence a criminal to prison or to death. Crime in the way of regarding it would inevitably change, not all at once, of course, but fairly soon, Ivan replied calmly, without flinching. Are you serious? Musoff glanced keenly at him. If everything became the church, the church would exclude all the criminal and disobedient, and would not cut off their heads, Ivan went on. I ask you, what would become of the excluded? He would be cut off then not only from men as now, but from Christ. By his crime he would have transgressed not only against men, but against the church of Christ. This is so even now, of course, strictly speaking, but it is not clearly enumerated, and very, very often the criminal of today compromises with his conscience. I steal, he says, but I don't go against the church. I'm not an enemy of Christ. That's what the criminal of today is continually saying to himself. But when the church takes the place of the state, it will be difficult for him, in opposition to the church all over the world, to say, all men are mistaken. 